Welcome to Your Daily Drive. This is Rick Thomas. You can find me at rickthomas.net. Sitting in cyberspace, waiting on you to ask questions. That's what we do. We are problem solvers for the Christian community, my team, myself. We love serving you that way. If we can help you, if you need personal counseling, we have counselors ready, willing, able to serve you. We also have a membership site. Did you know that? We have more content, a lot of training information that's great for local churches, pastors, elders, small group leaders, counselors, disciplers, parents, husbands, wives. We have a lot of information on our membership site, a lot of webinars and things of that nature. If you just want to talk, if you want to walk through something, we have a public forum where you can ask questions, and it would be great if you would do that. That is the place where we interact with people. So if you have a question that you want to work through, a situational difficulty, a relational problem, if you write, you can flatten it out. You don't have to use names and locations and Uh, names of churches and so forth. You don't have to do that. Just give a general idea of what's going on, and, and it would be wonderful, and we would be glad to help you. Working through a situation now with a marriage problem, as I was doing this podcast, I saw a blurb blurb come up on my screen about helping a teen. I haven't read it, so I don't know what they're asking, but when I finish this podcast, I will look into it. Let me ask you a question. Um, Let's pretend that you have somebody that you're doing soul care to, you're discipling, maybe counseling. In, In my world, from my perspective, the words counseling and discipleship are synonymous. And so let's say that you're discipling somebody. Here's the question. What is the first thing to know when caring for someone Where do you start? Where do you begin? When you're about to disciple someone, where do you begin as far as developing a plan for their discipleship care? The reason I'm asking this question is because your starting point, how you begin, where you begin, it will determine two things. It will determine how you will act during the process that you are with them, and it will also determine how you finish the discipleship with them. Where you began determines the process and the ending. So maybe you're bringing care to your spouse, husband, or wife. Maybe you're caring for your children. Children, I call on you if you are old enough to be positioning yourself and learning how to bring care to your parents. I'm talking about soul care. I'm talking about counseling your parents. You should be doing that in your preteen years to a minimal degree. Our children have been counseling us according to their understanding of God's Word since they were six, seven, eight years old. And, of course, their counseling is becoming more involved now because they're understanding more. They can see more. They have greater peripheral vision Isn't that a great asset to have your children bringing soul care to you? Now, perhaps you're in a small group and you're caring for others. Maybe you're a pastor. Maybe you have a parachurch organization like what I do. 
Maybe you're caring for your neighbors. But the question is, what is the first thing to know when caring for someone? I want to dig into that for a few moments today, and I hope what I share with you will be edifying, convicting, and transformative all at the same time. So thank you so much for listening. I had someone write today, and they they asked, they read an article by one of our world-class writers, Brandy Huerta, and they wanted to quote the article. This lady, Christy, thank you so much, Christy, uh, she went on our website and couldn't find a place to where it's told her how she could go about that. And when she said that in her question, I thought, well, I don't have a place for that. And so I did answer her question, and I want to answer it here as well. If you want to quote any of our work, you know, take a blurb out. She was taking a sentence or two out of one of Brandy's articles. You can do that. You're welcome to do that. Uh, All that we ask is that you link it back to our website, that it links back to the original article. I would also appreciate it if you would let me know, because if you quote one of our articles, we would love to share it around with other people, share whatever it is that you're writing on another website. So you're welcome to quote our stuff. Just link it back. Thank you for your integrity, Christy, for Uh, seeking us out and trying to figure out and then finally asking the question because you couldn't find it on our website. I'm sorry about that. But thank you for your perseverance and for asking, and you're welcome to quote us and link us back. We do ask that folks do not copy and paste our articles uh, on your own blog. Um, There are problems with that. There are Google problems with that. And it's not a good idea, and ultimately it doesn't help us. There's a way of doing it, and I do write for other websites, but there is a way of doing that to where you're not penalized by Google, and so we ask that folks not copy and paste. We don't get a lot of that anymore, but in the beginning there was a lot of copying and pasting of our articles and putting them on blogs everywhere, and we've had to walk through several of those over the years, and it's just not a good idea. It doesn't help. The bottom line. I mean, people think that it helps because you're spreading content, but it actually doesn't. But if you want to quote us, please let us know. Link it back, and we would we we'd love we want our stuff to be put out there in the most appropriate ways and ways that helps everyone. Because the ultimate cause here is to spread the fame of God, and we do that through technology, and we have to use technology according to how technology allows us to use it. And sometimes we can use it in the wrong way, and what we think is helping is not helping at all. One other thing that I would ask uh, for those of you who aren't able to support our ministry, I understand that everybody can't do that, and I get that, but there are some simple ways that you can support us, and one of those ways is by sharing our content on your social media platform, just putting the links out there and say, hey, read this article, and it links right back to our site. They click on it, they read, they share with other people. That is a fantastic thing to do, and I would encourage you to share our content as much as possible. The other thing that you can do is that you can like us on Facebook. You can go to Rick Thomas Net. That is our 
ministry business page uh, on Facebook and just hit the like button. It's a simple thing. Just hit the like button. If you don't know where that is, we have a Like Us on Facebook banner in the top right of our website. And if you click on it, it'll take you to our business page and you can then you can like us at that point. Now, what that does, each person that likes us, it opens our content to more people. And that's our goal. Our goal is to take our content to every person, every person possible, and you can help. It's one of the ways that you can support us. So you can share our links on your social media platforms. And the reason I say Facebook, uh, like us on Facebook, is because it's one of the top five ways that people come to our uh, website. It's one of the top ways that traffic is generated to our website. We have 20 different uh, social media platforms, and we kind of dabble with all of them. But the one that I put more time and attention to, the first one, the primary one, is is Facebook. I kind of mess with Twitter, and I got a little, little, a few things going on with LinkedIn. Uh, but those would be my top three. But Facebook is by far uh, the top as far as social media platforms are concerned. And so, if you could help us in that way. Just like us. It's a simple thing. It's a simple way of supporting our ministry. And if you benefited by it, um, I know you want to do that, and I really do appreciate it. So check out that. If you're in your car right now, uh, just get on your phone and go to Rick Thomas Net on Facebook and, and like it, and we're done, okay? Now, I want to talk about discipleship counseling. I want to talk about that person that you are caring for, now, usually those are people who are really close to us, probably a family member, our internal family, husband, wives, children, parents. It could be, I'm sure, an external family member as well, a relative to some degree. And then many of us, most of us, I imagine, are part of a local church, and so we are rubbing shoulder to shoulder with uh, people who are different from us, and because of that, it is easy to become irritated with other people. I'm not sure if you've ever been irritated with anyone, but I know that I have, and I know that my family has as well because they live with me. And so if you are bringing care to an individual, then the question is, what's the first thing to know when bringing that care? The primary attitude you want before you begin caring for another individual is affection for that person. I'm going to make a case for that. I'm going to make a case that says if you do not have affection, specifically divine affection, and I'll explain that in a moment, but if you do not have divine affection for the person that you are caring for, you could really mess up your care. It is unwise to attempt soul care if you do not feel love for the person you are discipling. And so I'm going to restate that because it's such a huge point. The primary attitude you want before, before you walk up to them, before you start talking to them, 
the primary attitude you want before you bring care to another individual is affection for that person. It is unwise to attempt soul care if you do not feel love for the person you're discipling. Now, the way that you gain this kind of perspective on the individual is by seeing them the way God sees them. That is the most effective way to gain affection, especially for difficult people. Now, we are living in a heated cultural moment, and it has been heated in our culture for the last five or six years. It is just downright volatile. People are killing each other. Now, we say, well, we're not on that level with other individuals. Well, we have our own forms of killing each other by our attitudes. And the the solution for this, whether it's on the mega uh, cultural level or if it's on our more micro level, is to see people the way God sees them. All good discipleship requires this kind of divine perspective. That's what I mean by divine perspective seeing them the way God sees them. Because in the soul care business, there is no place for thoughtless care, no place whatsoever. Compassion is absolutely essential. Compassion is always, has to always, be part of how we interact with other people. And if we do not have affection for them, we will not have compassion for them. Affection for others is rooted in your perspective of others. And so if you want to know what your perspective is, you can measure your affection. If you want to know what your affection is, you can assess your perspective. But your affection for others is rooted in your perspective of them. If you view the person that you are counseling the way God sees them, your perspective is correct. And you are at the right starting point to begin the discipleship process. That ties right back to the article, uh, to the title of this podcast, and also the article. If you want to read this podcast, you can. The title, title, and the article are the same. The first thing to know when caring for someone, and if you view the person that you're counseling the way God does, your perspective is correct, and you are at the right starting point in the discipleship process. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 through 9, you can see, you can read, and you can feel Paul's attitude and affection for a group of unruly and proud people. We call them the Corinthians. Paul's heart and love were two key components in his approach to helping these difficult people. The attitude and affection that Paul had for the Corinthians were rooted in his divine perspective of the Corinthians. Let me share with you verses 4 through 9. I would encourage you to read 1 through 9 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 when you can, but I want to share with you 4 through 9, and I want you to... I want you to perceive, I want you to hear, I want you to feel Paul's attitude and affection for, and it's important that I say this, that you hear this, for unruly and proud people. He had great affection for them. Verse 4 says, I give thanks to God, to my God, always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Verse, verses 5 and 6, that in 
every way you were, that's past tense, you were enriched. You were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. He is acknowledging God's prior work in their lives. He knows that, that God was there before Paul was there. God was working before Paul showed up. These are God's children. You you see that. He is aware of who he's talking to. Regardless of how unruly and difficult they are, he knows who they belong to, who they belong to. And then verses 7 and 9, 7, 8, and 9, he says, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait on the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4, 5, and 6. And so if you want to gain a divine, I'm sorry, (laughs) four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. If you want to gain a divine perspective on the individual that you are discipling, then let's break it down. There are three parts to what Paul said, verse four, verses five and six, and verses seven and nine, seven through nine. Number one, verse four, I give thanks to my God always. For you. Paul spent time in private prayer thanking God and praying for the Corinthians. Before he ever approached the Corinthians, before he ever began discipling the Corinthians, he was already in his closet, not just praying for them, but thanking God for them. Do you feel his affection for them? That's what he said in verse 4. Verse 5 and 6, he says that in every way you were enriched in him. You were enriched in him. The testimony of Christ was confirmed among you, past action from God. Paul recognized these were God's children. He knew that he was bringing care to God's family. And so number one, one way that you gain divine perspective on an individual before you bring discipleship care to them is you spend time thanking God for them and praying for them. Number two, you recognize that they are God's children. Now, somebody may say, well, they might not be God's children. They might not be. That's true. But they were made in the image of God. They are God's creation. And so whether they were made in the image of God or they were bought by God, it could be both. If you're discipling a Christian, they're not only made in the image of God, but they were bought by God as well. But even if they weren't bought by God, they were made in his image. And that ties back to James chapter 3, 9 and 10, where James says with one part of our speech, we we praise God, we bless the Lord, and the other part of our speech, we condemn others, people who were made in the image of God. He said, my brothers, these things ought not to be. James 3, 9 and 10. And so perhaps the person you're not discipling is not a believer, not blood-bought, not purchased by the death and resurrection of Christ. But this is the message that we want to give to our culture, these angry people in our culture. I've said this before, but it's one of the reasons that I don't speak unkindly about 
presidents that I don't believe in and don't care to follow. I will respect them as image bearers. I will disagree with their politics, but I'm not going to rant and rave about them as an individual because the person is made in the image of God, whether I like what they do and what they believe or not. But in Paul's case here in 1 Corinthians, he recognized that these were the children of God. He knew that he was bringing care to God's family. Be careful how you tinker with God's children. Paul knew that, and that's part of why he had this affection for them. He knew who they belonged to. And then number three, Paul had faith that no matter how complicated things appeared now, God was going to complete his good work in them. That's verses 7, 8, and 9. Listen to what he says. He says, Christ will sustain you to the end. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about the end of the road here, glorification, that day in the future. And so Paul knew that he was helping them in the moment, but he also knew that just because he's stuck in the moment with them, God's going to finish what he completed. And that sounds a whole lot like what he said in Philippians 1.6, that what God has begun, he is going to complete or finish. And so here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 7, 8, and 9, he says, God will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And so he had faith. No matter how complicated things appeared, God was going to complete his work in them. And so if you want to gain a divine perspective on an individual so that your attitude can be affected, there are three ways to do it. It's what Paul did in this template in 1 Corinthians 1. Spend time in private prayer thanking God before you ever talk to him, before you ever talk to the individual that you're discipling. Give thanks to God praying for them. Number two, recognize that these are God's children or that they are people made in the image of God. Number three, have faith. God's going to complete this. God's in control. You're nothing more than God's water boy or God's water girl. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6. God's going to give the increase. He's going to receive glory. He's going to do what needs to be done. Have faith. You know, sometimes you can get bogged down with somebody's life, and you don't have faith for the process, and you're just frustrated with them. You're so angry you can't see straight. Paul's affection for this challenging church body called the Corinthians was a profound declaration of the grace of God in his life. And it's an excellent template for you to think about as you approach the fantastic work of discipleship. And so how is your heart toward unruly people? How is your heart toward that person that you live with? How is your heart toward those in your small group, those in your church, those in your community, your neighborhood, the workplace? The beginning of your discipleship, as Paul models for us in the first nine verses of the Corinthian letter, should be similar to him, meaning you must tether the motive of your heart to a divine perspective that will give you extraordinary affection for those you serve. Now, whether your friend needs correction 
the way Paul eventually corrected the Corinthians. You see, Paul didn't hold up or he didn't shrink back from correcting them. He began in verse number 10, bringing a stern correction to the Corinthians. But sometimes we start in verse 10. We skip the preamble. We skip the first nine verses. We start in verse number 10, bringing our correction. Paul did not do that. He wanted them to know that he was for them. And so whether your friend needs correction, the way Paul eventually corrected the Corinthians, or your friend needs other forms of soul care, you should model Paul's attitude and affection for the Corinthians before you began the discipleship process. Absolutely essential. The title of the podcast and the article on the website, rickthomas.net, is called The First Thing to Know When Caring for Someone. Here's your call to action. Here's some things I would love for you to think about. I would love for you to print this article off and share it with your group. Perhaps you're caring for a family member, maybe an extended relative or a church member. As you think about them, assess yourself. Here's the question. Do you have divine affection for them? Now let's run that through the three-step process that I've been sharing with you. Let me ask you some questions thinking about that template, 1 Corinthians 4 through 9, chapter 1, 4 through 9. Number one, are your private thoughts and prayers for that person seasoned with grace and gratitude? So as you think about that person right now, are your private thoughts seasoned with grace and gratitude? You, you hear Paul's attitude. It was seasoned with grace and gratitude and thanksgiving for this unruly group. Number two, how does knowing that the person you're caring for was created in God's image and may also be God's child affect your soul care? Such a huge thing knowing that the person that you're talking to, when I stand out at the cul-de-sac and talk to my neighbor, one of the things that I remind myself is that this person was made in God's image. If that is your prerequisite, your presupposition, if that is your starting point, then it will affect how you communicate to this person. Paul told them plainly he knew who they were. He knew that God had already intervened in their lives. And that affected how he thought about them and how he talked to them. Question number three, do you believe there is hope for the person you're discipling? Maybe another way you can ask this question is, does that person feel your faith in God that he will finish what he started? You know, put yourself on the receiving end of your counsel. Put yourself on the receiving end of your discipleship. Listen to what you're saying to that person as though that person is saying it to you. Do you feel hope? You know, sometimes we can talk to people and we don't have faith for the process. We don't have hope for them. Let me read this to you again. God will sustain you, Paul said, to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you are called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. There is no question that when you stand there and listen to Paul talking to you, you believe that he has hope for you. And you want to communicate that hope to those who receive your care. And so are you privately thankful for that person? 
Do you know that person was made in God's image and may be bought by God? And number three, do you have hope for the process, and does that person experience that hope? Again, you can read this entire podcast if you want to on our website. The first thing to know when caring for someone, this is huge, not just for biblical counselors. I just came from the IABC conference, national conference, and one of the conversations that we had, that I had with several biblical counselors, not condemning, not critiquing in a negative or unkind or inappropriate way, but we were just acknowledging among ourselves that some of us have a bad reputation for being harsh and unkind toward those that we care for. And it's, it is infor- it is unfortunate, and we know that that still exists within our ranks. Those of us who have been, what you might say, trained in biblical counseling. This article is huge for us biblical counselors, but it's also huge for every spouse, every parent, every child, every small group member, church member. If we can recognize and implement these three ideas into our hearts, our attitude, our minds, it will affect how we interact with other people. If we can help you with this, as I said at the onset of the podcast, we have forums, our supporting members, go to the private forum and ask your question and let us serve you. Those of you who uh, aren't supporting members, you have a place too. You can come to our public forum and you can talk as well. And me and my team would love to serve you that way. It would be a joy if we can answer your questions. Perhaps you're struggling with this. Maybe you've been on the other end of this harshness, a lack of compassion, and you need some help working through it. God's grace is greater than whatever has happened to us. And so you can receive help, and we would love to do that. I am so glad that you have joined me, Your Daily Drive. I'm Rick Thomas. Thank you for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.